to everyone and welcome to a new event from the Haptics Club, an open community about haptics with speakers from industry and academia. I am Eric Vezzoli from Interhaptics and I'm joined on stage by the other founding members of the Haptics Club. Ashley Huffman from Nanopore Technology, Manuel Sainzeli from Unity Technologies, Heisten Butter and Irina Tripapina from SensorGlobe, and Sarah Kipsi from Interhaptics. You can find the past recording of the events on all the major streaming platforms, like Spotify and Apple Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn by typing Haptics Club on the search bar to be updated on the activities. Sweet. Um, super duper excited um, for the event today. I think if anyone knows me, they know that my absolute love of Waltz of the Wizard is um, paramount. Um, I talk about it any chance I can get. And um, it's a VR game that was one of the first games I tried in VR on HDC Vive. Um, a lot of people compare it to um, like Harry Potter, because um, you know who the heck doesn't want to be an all-magical magician. Um, but I think fundamentally, um, there's something about Waltz of the Wizard that I'll share with you that is almost like stepping through the cupboard um, in Narnia, that wardrobe, where once you pass through, you are changed into a different world and it feels like you're in that different world and you exist there and everything just feels so real. Um, and I think there's something so powerful about that and I'm absolutely honored, um, uh, Haptics Club is absolutely honored to uh, have Herifin Thornson, uh, Thorson, uh from Alden Dynamics here, the brains, uh, the magician, the, 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 the creator behind um, this awesome title um, and its expansion. So, you know, please let's jump right in um, and can you just kind of give us a background who you are, what you do, um, just as a brief introduction. Sure. So much for that. Like my smile is so big right now from that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Hrop Thorsen, or Hrofen for those who aren't from Iceland. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been, been, been in this space since 2013 uh, and sort of we're continuing our mission to this day of creating believabilities. That's sort of been our goal from the start. We asked the question, what can we do? What's, what's the main differentiator between everything that we've done to date, all mediums and virtual reality? And at the core, I think that's creating a believable experience of being somewhere. And that begs the question, how do we do that? And in my mind, that's not just um, putting us, like this, this has been said before, like it's not just about putting us inside the game. To me, it's about making the games more like reality. And that requires mechanics, that requires a new way of designing, it requires paying more attention to things like haptics or audio, all of these different factors coming together. So that's sort of been our broad and slow approach to VR, building up and answering the question, how do we create a believable experience of being somewhere so that we can make our fantasies feel real? So that's that's the, um, so I love the way you describe Waltz right now. It's sort of what we were going for, for from the start. We wanted to make you feel like you just stepped into your fantasies and your fantasies were made real. I love it. And for folks who maybe don't know much about, they know the title from um, Steam and from Quest, but maybe they don't know Alden Dynamics, like the company behind it. Can you give us just kind of a brief of um, like some of the technologies that you focus on and some of the areas um, that you work in? Um, 
So our, our key focus has been presence analysis, as I call it broadly, like analyzing your physical presence. Like the a key part of, of being somewhere is you and your physical body and having the world react to it. And so gesture recognition in many forms, not just, not just hand gestures or something, but interpreting your physical movements so that we can inform the user is calm or the user is excited He's looking this way and he's using his hand, hands like this, which indicates that he's confused. Like all of these different ways to interpret and inform the world about what the user is feeling and doing is a really important part of what we do. Um, and that, that's sort of the technological side. Um, on the design side, we've gone through various different types of experiences. Um, like we've started with story-driven content, which is, I think, has immense potential and can actually be, like, I think it's realistic that we can do within a few years something that feels truly like a real world, but within a limited scope, uh, but it's really expensive to do. Um, and then there's the more sandbox-like experiences, um, like the waltz, like the main tower room in waltz. Um, and then there's um, experiences that are more like the gamified aspect, natural magic, where we're moving for the first time into more of gamification, where you're doing these repeated actions and, um, yeah, more like a typical game, basically harnessing what we've known and, and building out that. That's awesome. Where is, what's your background? Because you're the CEO of Walden, like, what kind of culminated to you becoming in this position and um, like creating these experiences? Yeah. Um, so I had, I've had an intense interest in VR specifically since I was a kid. And a lot of that was driven by a conviction that VR and AR were like the commercial vehicle that could accelerate AI and actually be the incentive that made, made us go further in interactive characters, in making, um, making characters more expressive and humanoid. And I think that's sort of proving itself already that it's driving all sorts of AI research that um, hasn't been happening with monitor gaming. Same with binaural audio and all of that. It's like, a, finally, we have an incentive to take games further and to actually make them more real. The, the screen was always the glass between us and the virtual world. So it didn't really, uh, there wasn't really an incentive to make character realistic because you didn't feel it. The glass was separating you from them. Uh, but now that boundary has been broken. We've broken through that glass and that's sort of been in, like that has profound implications that we that like the industry, I don't see them talking about half of the things that make me excited about VR. And that's just because we're so early. Like, uh, but yeah, we, I, was, I was interested in these things and monitoring like the progress of VR since I was a kid. And my background specifically around these types of technologies and specifically AI um, and my co-founder Gunnar Stipp uh, was on a similar boat more focused on gaming um, and humanoid characters. And so when Oculus came along, we, it was the perfect timing for us. I had the knowledge of VR. He had more knowledge in how to make games and broad gaming aspects. 
And that sort of was our spark to go into VR. I already had ideas about how I thought a VR experience could be constructed. So, so it was like the perfect time and the perfect combo. And Gunnar is a brilliant guy. Uh, and we've, we've been adding to the team gradually and, and picking people really carefully. So we've been growing at a steady rate over the years. That's such a perfect marriage of skills. Um, that rarely happens so early on. That's really cool. Yeah, it's been really helpful for us to have that background and to be able to just jump right into the things that sort of make VR unique. Like in 20, it was behavior recognition. We made the first uh, story-driven experience where characters reacted to your head movements and you could communicate with them with like nodding and shaking your head. Then we went on to making, like even in 20, I think it was 2014 that we did Asunder. And even there, we were thinking about hands. We were sort of hoping that hand tracking would get here sooner than the motion controllers that we finally got in 2016. Um, so we had hands in there and they were doing uh, procedural animations depending on where you looked, the hand would move to that place. Um, and then with Waltz, uh, our, our, like we'd gone through those experiences, like trying to make a world feel real while you were sitting still at a place in Waltz, our exploration was around how do we make a world where you use your hands and what do we do there? Like, what are the, what did the haptics feel like? What does the audio need to be like? And we were figuring out like, yeah, we need at least 10 sound variations for each item that impacts. And we need this types of ha these types of haptics when you pour from this bottle. And it all takes uh, a heavy effort to sort of explore. And it's come at the cost of being able to produce more quantity. Like, um, like all of the, all of this is research and, and it's hard to know what works out and what not. It's about failing and figuring out what works. So a lot of our time so far has been just building up knowledge and the technologies and techniques and algorithms and all of that. And that's sort of at this point becoming um, a point where we can start applying that and scaling up the team and doing more quantity and actually building out fleshed out worlds. That's so awesome. I love that. You kind of start touching upon it, but I'd love to flesh out more of like how you approached X for Waltz the Wizard. Was it something that you um, like really were keen on from the beginning? Or is it something that you were kind of like building up some thoughts on along the way? How did you go about that? And like, can you speak about um, the application and how it, how important it is or how unimportant it is um, in the game today? Yeah. Uh, we we like went into it with uh, major focus on on haptics. Um, it, of course, the like the haptics technologies that we have available in today's controllers are limited, um, and we have to work within those limitations. But going into Waltz, it, it was as important to us as audio, and I'd say our our focus on audio is probably above average, at least when it comes to like general consumer games. Um, and so we went into it um, with two main thoughts. Uh, one was, of course, the commonly cited immersion factor. The other was utility. Um, and that involves stuff like um, 
telling to the user that something is interactive. For example, when you're when you're floating your hand over these uh, objects that you can't really touch, uh, how do you indicate when something is interactive? Another ability like aspect is our our locomotion system telepath that we um, felt like we had to invent um, bridge the gap between teleporting and realistic movement where you move smoothly without making people sick um, that was that are the key goals as well as making you move more like you are in reality anyway um, we used it there like initially we only had one implementation that dashed you between points on a line so it was basically like teleporting between points on a line um, and there like when you took the steps people felt initially that was that they didn't really know when you would be jumping and that was uncomfortable what we did was to add um, a haptics effect that builds up right until um, right until you make the jump and after that we haven't had a single complaint like this to me like this seems like a small thing but I think it demonstrates how important haptics can be in making an experience feel comfortable and compelling. Like just that little rumble that goes from subtle to a little bit more intense, that just made you stop thinking about this one annoying thing and, and made the experience more usable. And there's a bunch of these types of things that you can do with haptics to inform the user or to make artificial mechanics feel better. Um, yeah, and in general, the way we try to approach haptics and audio, uh, there's a lot of similarities there, is subtlety. Like, a lot of today's games um, have haptics that are few and far between. And when they use it, it's like cranked to the max, like shooting a weapon. Of course, there it makes sense to crank things to the max, but, but that's sort of how many games still feel to me today like it's it's when it's used it's it's too intense instead of making a broader range of haptic effects but all of them being sort of subtle that's what i think taps into a broader range of our sensory system basically and lets us do more things and contribute more to the experience than just using it rarely and for big effects like explosions. Um, often, like th these are sub subconscious things, and that's probably why we don't see a lot of emphasis on haptics today. Like just because people don't talk about it doesn't mean it's, it isn't important. And you know, you can add haptic effects to, to something and people won't necessarily know why the experience felt more real because the effects were subtle but they do contrib contribute to it and once it's combined with visuals and audio it can amplify the experience a lot more than i think people appreciate today i think that's really well said you know i am sitting here thinking about nintendo right now and i think we can look to nintendo as an as an example of haptics done right in the way that after you've played the game, you may not even be sure that there were haptics in your controller because they're done so subtly and in these 
just like very like defined, like nice little mo- movements and, and motions. And they kind of provide the information that you need right when you need it. And it's, it's not trying to be anything that it's not. So I really do think that that is a brilliant way to approach it because like we said before the chat, less really uh, is more a lot of the times when it comes to haptic uh, responses. Alex, that is so well said. I had a very fun con with a friend lately. He was playing Animal Crossing because we all did, right, during COVID. And <laughs> I was really having fun with him, <laughs> telling him about the haptics uh, on the PS5 and got excited. And he was like, oh my God, I can't wait to test haptics. And I was like, but you played Animal Crossing on Switch. You, you know what it is. I was like, what do you mean? And he didn't even notice at any point that there was vibration. He could swear that there was zero vibration in the game. So I had to come to his place, boot the game, show him. And then he realized that it was everywhere, like shaking a tree to fishing a fish to everything. And it's so subtle that then it becomes invisible. And there is a, a quote from a famous designer that says that good design is invisible. And I think that that reflects very well this implementation. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. That's- And just to add a note, for, as like someone who's a sensitive VR user, I think it's, I've never had issues um, in uh, Waltz, and I have issues in, unfortunately, many games. So it feels like there's maybe um, one of the challenges here is like other people being able to leverage um, or even understand some of these things. You speak maybe about, um, and feel free to like add on to the, the previous, but I'd just love to think about the idea of like sharing this kind of knowledge um, and, and like how we can get more people to understand the benefits and the challenges of you know using tumor tactics and the things to kind of consider there. Yeah, I think that's important. And I think we've seen some initiatives in mediating information about the sign, and I think that's growing. In our case, we do have plans to share more on our blog and other channels about things we've learned over the years. Um, But I think like uh, places like this, where we can just start talking about it, because like in many ways, still figuring things out, like there's a few fundamentals that we think are like solid to build on, but it's still so much R&D and and the haptics themselves are advancing. Hopefully, we'll start seeing more like force feedback and stuff. That's that's what I'm hoping in the next generation of, of controllers or controller input. Um, but yeah, it's definitely important, I think, for um, for the studios that have been here for a long time to to try to mediate as much as they can. The unfortunate reality is that many like uh, many of the innovators that are actually um, pushing things forward today in the in the <laughs> in the VR space want to do it that's like they they have their ideas about what they want to do and it's still at that of the the industry is at that sort of place all of us are sort of focused on our our thing and figuring out how to achieve our goals and that's like perfectly normal for a medium like this but like there's the grounds to explore are so expansive that we each have like these uh, different topics that we're trying to figure out how to do and all of them are valid and all of them are worth exploring and so I, I, I'm not sure that many VR devs have time even to study what others are doing but of course like the best way to showcase it I think is just to implement it and to then point it out 
uh, and to let others try. Like I learned a lot from just playing what other people are creating and picking out like, wow, this is really nicely done. Like this has this effect on me. Great way for me to learn at least how to, how to improve and how to do things. Um, coupled with something like a blog article or something explaining in more technical detail why something works or, or what the next steps might be, that's, that would be like a good contribution to um, the industry, I think, if we all tried to do that. I love that. You heard the man. Play more games. <laughs> There's the excuse if you ever needed it. <laughs> Not that you do. Um, in terms of exploring, I love that you use that word. Um, the space that seems to be explored in VR right now, and it's something that you guys um, have uh, launched, is the hand tracking. And I really wanted to talk with you about um, how this has kind of changed the way that you create an immersive environment. Because, you know, if you've got no controllers, you've got no haptics, at least not in the hands. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, the best way to actually feel the difference, like, not having haptics is to try hand tracking lead to some experience with rich haptics. <laughs> so that's just, it shows you so much black and white, how much of a different difference that makes. Um, but yeah, in, in like, uh, when you have no haptics, it, it, it results in a lot of things. Um, one really important thing is fatigue and like muscle fatigue. When we don't have the feedback that tells us when to stop squeezing something or when we have a firm grip, you're going to exert your fingers in a way that's not normal for you. And that tires your hand faster. And that's just one example of the adverse effects that not having haptics can have. Um, but there are things that can be done. Um, and we're starting to see more of those kinds of experiments coming forward is substituting the lack of haptics with the sensory output that you, that we have, which is audio and visuals. Um, and so we're starting to see all this like dynamic interfaces where a button is, um, where a button, pressing a button causes a lot of things to move and a sound to play that depends on how fast you're actually pressing the button. Uh, th this type of, of feedback, your, our brain is so adapt adaptable that it can translate that pretty well uh, and fill in the haptics blanks, but it's, it's never the same. And so like what I'm hoping for going forward is that we get some kind of, I don't like, uh, I don't want to say glove, but some kind of glove-like contraption. Imagine something like the Valve Index controllers, but more streamlined for your hand and for finger usage. Something that gives us feedback to our fingers. That will be a, um, an excellent controller in my mind, but it's easier said than done. Definitely. I wish we had Lucid VR um, in this chat who was um, with us at our last event. He created um, a haptic glove for, I think it was under $25, which was kind of amazing. So yeah, I think you two would get along just fine and maybe should uh, consider chatting um, just based on that subject alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely think there are some great initiatives going on in figuring out what sort of other form factors we can do other than controllers. Um, 
but in any case like it's uh, i i hope we find some kind of hybrid that's not too hard to put on um not necessarily a glove that fully covers your hand it's something that would provide preferably force feedback maybe at the base of your fingers um but yeah we'll see how that evolves it's probably uh, quite a few years off still unfortunately <laughs> that's um i have a rogue question to ask <laughs> should i or should i wait bring it man you sure? bring it <laughs> right, go ahead so so based on what you just said, I would like to know your point of view over uh, the quest towards neuro haptics. Um, I think something like what Facebook is doing with the armbands is interesting. I think it can go a long way in making hand tracking more usable. Uh, like if you do sensor fusion with uh, the computer vision on the headsets and neural input, you can presumably make hand tracking a lot more reliable. In addition to something like um, the uh, inertia sensors in the actual armband. So that's interesting to me. That may be a way to make hand tracking fully usable by general consumers. I'm really interested in seeing where they go with that. Uh, another aspect is neural stimulation, <laughs> which I unfortunately don't know a, a lot about where the status of that is, but it's interesting to think about armbands providing sensory input to your fingers by stimulating nerves in your wrist. Um, something I think I'm recalling correctly is possible. I just don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about about that to dive into it in any detail right. but, but it's interesting <laughs> thank you so much for your thoughts yeah awesome we're kind of hitting the half hour mark um so at the twelve thirty mark we typically as sarah mentioned we open up the floor to folks um, before we do um kind of want to get your thoughts on um where you think maybe haptics in vr um, is heading in say the next five to even 15 years. So it's like near future versus like crazy future ahead. Maybe it's on the neural side, but um, would love to kind of hear more about that. Uh, in, a, in a 15 year range, I am quite convinced that natural hands will be the dominant input for VR. And I think that's important. Uh, it is the natural form of interacting with a reality. We evolved to do it that way. And what that means is like there's an underappreciated large audience that simply doesn't play because controllers are intimidating to them. And the, the things that we can do with our hands over something that has a preset number of, of buttons or um, artificial input is immense in my mind. And what we are after is making you feel like you're there and making use of that aspect of this medium. And so it, I'm quite convinced that hands will be the natural form of input within a few years. Um, I don't wanna say how long because nobody knows that. Um, maybe the R&D guys at Facebook Reality Labs know. But, <laughs> uh, 
but in any case, I think we're going to keep evolving in that direction. However, I think just from the haptics aspect, I think we'll always, or at least in the foreseeable future, need some form of um, some form of a contraption on your hand that provides feedback and provides uh, more accurate tracking. So again, that comes to that hybrid controller that I keep dreaming about making a debut. Uh, but then like, I don't know if it's 15 or more, um, neural stimulation and neural input is quite appealing um, and theoretically should be possible. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, definitely. When will we be ready for that is a good question. I feel like your uh, the transition to hands is probably a, a good place to start. And then um, maybe hoverboards next and then and then let's move on to the neural. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely still waiting for hoverboards. Yeah, exactly. And another Haptics Club chat comes to a close. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to hosting you at our next chat. You do this every other week, same time, same place, and we're super excited to have you there. Be sure to find us on LinkedIn, where you can be the first to know who our next guest is going to be. All the details will be there. You can RSVP. You can also find us on Twitter at Haptics Club, where you can join in the conversation and ask questions. And if you happen to miss an episode, you can find us on most major podcast platforms like Spotify and on Apple, and you can get up to speed on some of the buzzworthy topics we covered. But once again, on behalf of the entire Haptics Club, I want to say thank you for taking the time to join us and jump in the conversation and be a part of this amazing community. And we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.